Blog Talk Radio. The information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. O'Sullivan speaking, and you are listening to Holistic Pet Care with Dr. O. I appreciate your time and your energy this morning to join us, and we've got an extremely special guest that's going to clear up a bunch of things about our food for our best friends and um, talk about some wonderful things such as pleasure in the workplace, holistic pet food companies, nutrition, maybe even get into some subjects such as I don't know, maybe some herbalism or homeopathy, depending on how much time we have. So I want to encourage everyone that's listening today to give us a call and ask some questions, voice your opinions, so we can make sure that we touch on everything that's important to you. Go ahead and call us at 347-215-6138, or for our podcast listeners, you can send us an email at listeners at sylviaglobal.com or post comments in the section on Sylvia Global Facebook page. This broadcast is thanks to Sylvia Global Media. And our special guest today is Lucy Poskins, who is the founder and president of The Honest Kitchen out of San Diego, California. Good morning, Lucy, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hi, good morning. My pleasure. Uh, I'm so fortunate to have you on. Um, the Honest Kitchen, and I apologize, Lucy, if I don't use the word the. It reminds me of the Ohio State, and I always drop the the on that one, too. So my apologies if I get that mixed up. <laughs> but, no problem. Uh, That's absolutely fine. <laughs> Honest Kitchen is, um, golly, since my biggest days, have been one of the products that I have, if not been able to get people to use, definitely used as an educational tool for all of my clients on how to take the next step away from commercialized food to a whole food from the earth, as close to the earth as we can get, minimally processed, complete and balanced diet for our friends and not overtax the human's ability to spend time and effort on preparing food or buying food or trying to make sure that we're 100% nutritionally complete and all of the other things that go along with making the step away from very traditional processed, bagged, or canned diets. So we've got about an hour to share this with the world, Lucy. So I appreciate um, your not only your fortitude and <laughs> your entrepreneurship, your innovation, but just your flat-out caring about our four-legged fuzzies and their long-term health and I know as a veterinarian and as a holistic veterinarian, as a pet owner, that using these products makes a world of difference in the quality of life for my patients and my personal animals. And the health status, the bright eye, the tail wagging, the flat back, that joy by having great nutrition is night and day. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Lucy? 
Yeah, so I am actually originally from the UK. I've been in um, the States for about 17 or 18 years now. And when I first came over here, I worked for another pet food company here in the San Diego area. They actually produce more conventional foods, kibble and cans. And uh-huh. when I got my first dog, I'd become interested in doing a raw food diet for him because he was suffering with some ear infections and skin problems. And I felt that the raw food diet was really going to be a good good solution for him. And we did actually get some amazing results. I was basically pureeing my own um, meat and veggies in my kitchen. And uh, right. my dog's health improved greatly, but my kitchen looked like a disaster area. Um, <laughs> and so I, I really began sort of thinking, how could I still feed him a healthy whole food diet, but, but in a way that was a little bit simpler and more convenient to prepare? And so that's where the idea for dehydration really came from, just simply removing the moisture from the raw ingredients and leaving everything else that Mother Nature had put in there, leaving all that goodness behind. Um, so dehydration was the answer, and uh, we sort of I started off as a little small kind of a cottage industry, family home-based business, and uh, right. set up a website, and uh, it really has snowballed over the last decade or so. We've got an amazing team of people here in San Diego, we're all super passionate about what we're doing. We're kind of a, a group of foodies, but I think love of animals is really at the very heart of, of what we do. We all bring our dogs to work, and uh, it's it's very rewarding and very humbling to uh, to see the results in, in the animals who eat the food. Yeah, very nice. And I, I love the fact that the, the holistic theme, the whole inclusive theme, and the bring your dogs to work, have a good time, love what you're doing, be around good people, and all of that love, all that positivity absolutely translates into the product. I mean, absolutely. And for some of our listeners that are maybe new to holistics or new to holistic thought, that might seem a little bit woo-woo to some folks, but it, there's just there's truth in that, that, that how I live my life and how the energy and the joy and the the intent that I put into what I do translates into the product, and I honestly believe that that's what happens with your product, Lucy. Now, I have a question for you about the dehydration product that I get often from my clients and my students, is that the dehydration process, does that retain all of the nutritional load in these whole foods that nature gave it so that when we rehydrate with our warm water, all of those things are present again, or does the dehydration process diminish or sap away any of that in, uh, integral nutrition that we have on these base products? Yeah, that's a great question. And the answer is it's not exactly the same as raw. It's not going to turn back into perfectly raw food like a carrot you just literally pulled out of the ground. There, there is a slight difference. Um, uh-huh. The main vitamins that, um, that are more delicate and, and don't survive the dehydration process as well would be the water-soluble vitamins. Um, so mm-hmm. vitamin C yep. and the Bs would be notable examples of those. And then there are some enzymes in the raw food that don't survive dehydration very well. They're more delicate. Um, but the most, for the most part, the, the rehydrated product is, is very close to, to raw food and to, certainly to a whole food sort of home-cooked type of meal. It's, visually, it's very similar. I think one of the key things with dehydration is it is such a gentle process and uses much lower temperatures the key thing, and I think one of the most exciting things, is the phytonutrients actually remain. So the, the pigments that give produce its beautiful colors and the, that lovely sort of vibrance, those remain at the end of dehydration, and those have an amazing um, protective effect on total health. 
whether it's right. you know um, protecting against signs of aging, um, enhancing the way cells actually communicate with each other, protecting exactly. eye and heart and joint health. Those those really super valuable compounds do survive dehydration, and that's why our finished product is still vibrantly colorful. It hasn't turned brown like a lot of conventional food. Exactly. Now, I, um, when I do the, my like, cancer classes or other seminars and such, when we talk about phytonutrients and those types of things, explaining to folks that phyto meaning plant, nutrient meaning chemicals, literally chemicals that come from nature to do good, not in our normal thought process where chemicals are always bad. So if you see a plant chemical or natural chemical or phytonutrient, I always explain those to people as being the colors of the rainbows in fruits and vegetables. So making it kind of, I guess, a quick and dirty, um, as we look at the spectrum of the colors in fruits and vegetables, making sure that that spectrum of the rainbow of colors are in the foods for not only ourselves but our, you know, our non-human loved ones, those provide the spectrum, like you're speaking of, of phytonutrients that do so much work with cellular repair, cellular communication, making sure that sometimes that cellular defects that might lead to a cancerous process or to an advanced aging process or an inflammatory process are slowed if not stopped. And we're not making any miraculous claims here. It's just that, as Lucy said, the importance of the phytonutrients in the food as they were produced from the earth being maintained in this food is so important to the nutrition of our friends. And if you, when you look at the Honest Kitchen product and you open the bags, you open the box, it's a rainbow of colors in there. <laughs> it, really, it really is lovely. Um, so I'd like to thank you for clearing that up because it, um, when we talk about the difference now with the dehydration process versus standard kibble processing, what are we looking at, 100-plus degrees um, in gentle dehydration versus, what, about 300-something degrees in the processing of classic kibble? Is that about right? Yes. Yeah, that's about right. All of our produce is dried at or around 104 degrees, and then um, the meats and fish and eggs are dried at a, a, a dehydrated at a slightly higher temperature. They're actually steamed before we dry them just to kill any pathogens that might be on the surface area of the meat. And in contrast, you know, kibble generally in canned food goes through an initial cooking process and then to actually go through that extrusion process, which isn't just, it's not just extreme heat, but it's actually a massive amount of pressure um, that uh-huh. forces the, the um, basically the, the batter, I guess you would call it, into the extrusion machine and spits it out as little pellets at really high speed. Um, all of that just has a destructive effect on, on any natural nutrition that might have been in the ingredients to begin with. And I think when you're starting off with, you know, a batter that's made from products that are mostly byproducts, you know, things like um, poultry feathers and, and byproducts from other industries, gluten meal and that sort of thing, fairly devoid of nutrition to begin with. And then when you put it through that process, that's it's really hard to see how, you know, that finished product can, can have a positive effect on total health. Exactly, exactly. And, and that I um, am... Uh, mm, the carbohydrate load that comes in processed food as well in order not only to make it stick together but to be fillers and those types of things. And then the, the benefits of carbohydrates or the lack thereof are a huge concern for what I do and I'm sure a little bit for you as well, Lucy, with regard to obesity concerns, digestive concerns, all of those things. 
and that the percentage of just pure processed carbs on top of denatured, highly processed, possible protein byproducts as compared to... Now, you're telling me that you your protein sources are steamed prior to the dehydration process for yes. just for safety's sake. Can you explain that to our audience a little bit? Because I know that's a concern. We kind of talked about before we went on the air with regard to yeah. the, you know, the safety of the protein. Absolutely, yeah. So all of our meats, um, as well as the fish and eggs, they go through a steaming process, which basically just puts steam all around the surface area of the meat before it actually goes into drying. So any uh-huh. pathogens, any bacteria that would be on meat, they would just be on the surface area. They're not actually embedded in, you know, chicken breast or something like that. They, they're always on the surface area. And so uh-huh. that steaming process is, um, is just designed to, to kill any pathogens that might be there, and then it goes into the drying after that. And it's really a requirement of the fact that our foods are actually produced in a human food facility. Um, so the Honest Kitchen's products are blended on the exact same equipment, the same blenders that are used to produce other human food companies' products, so things like breakfast cereal, milkshake powder, um, bakery mixes, and things like that. So our inbound ingredients, as they come in, they've got to be safe for a human to consume, and they can't, they can't sort of cause any detrimental effect to the, to the equipment, so they need to be made right alongside the breakfast cereal. Oh, beautiful. Uh, Lucy, so we have our first caller. We have our first caller coming in for you. So, hello, caller. How can I help you? Hello? Hello. Hi, Doctor. Hi, Hi Doctor. Oh, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you well. How are you doing this morning? Thank you for calling us. Uh, thank you for uh, answering my call. Uh, How can we help good you? Good morning to you both. Uh, I, we basically have two dogs. Uh, one is uh, eight years old and uh, has pancreatitis and uh, uh-huh. is on a prescription diet. Uh, I don't know if I can say the brand name or not. It's the I Royal Canin. Oh, okay. It's some kind of prescription diet. And uh, it's low fat. Uh, and our other dog is uh, a little more senior. is 13-year-old, uh, very healthy, and is on a... Uh, high dollar, just uh, pet club type food uh, diet. Um, I'm wondering how how your food could could benefit our dogs, or uh, if it is a replacement for these. Yeah, well, I think I would definitely uh, preface the answer by saying you'd need to make any dietary changes under the guidance of preferably of a holistic veterinarian. Um, we do definitely recommend a lower fat diet for pancreatitis. Um, you might also want to supplement with some digestive enzymes just to support um, the pa- pancreatic function. Um, if you supplement the diet with the enzymes, and it takes a little bit of the pressure off the pancreas itself. To, um, we have quite a lot of success with um, zeal, which is our uh, fish diet. It's made with whitefish, haddock, and whiting. Uh, it's a grain-free formula, and it, it's really quite low in fats, and, and that's a great, a great choice for um, pancreatic dogs. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. And for anybody else who has questions out there, the number again is 347-215-6138. Thank you, Lucy, very much for answering that question. Um, I also yeah. use your Zeal product much for um, allergies. You know, when we, when we have our patients that are used to this protein or that protein or this protein or that protein, the dehydrated, wild-caught whitefish, haddock, or whiting, um, along with the fruit and vegetable that go into that, 
I have amazing success with that product, along with probiotics in the beginning, you know, to make sure we may have a good translation from whatever they're on onto an Honest Kitchen product. And dealing with leaky gut syndrome, dealing with any kind of previous GI abnormalities or in imbalances and such. But like you said, the multiple uses of these foods that you create can be very, very helpful in not only traditional non-veterinary, non-pathological problems, but as our caller stated, with an issue such as pancreatitis that's being dealt with with a low-fat this or a high-enzyme this or whatever it is that's being prescribed by a veterinarian, licensed veterinarian, we can be helpful with those needs through your products many times because, like you said, they are low-fat and they, you know, they, they fit the bill. But um, we just have to be uh, mindful of each individual creature's needs um, and, you know, like you said, your product does, does wonderful things for those. So thank you very much for calling in. I appreciate that. So you were talking about your human food guidelines and your human food facilities. Can we go into that a little bit? Because I'm not sure that uh, everybody knows the difference between maybe the facilities in which commercial dog food is created versus the care that is taken for your product to make sure that the recipes I come out of human food facilities using the same equipment that produces people food and that the standards might be different. Can you explain that to our audience, please, Lucy? Sure, yes. So back in 2002 when I was sort of coming up with the whole concept of the Honest Kitchen, I was I was already pretty familiar with um, all sides of the pet food industry and, you know, some of the things that are permitted in, in pet food and to me, the clearest way that I could think of to actually put a line in the sand regarding my product's quality was to actually have it be human grade. I mean, if it's not human grade, it's really just such a subjective thing to even talk about pet food quality because there is no, there's no real proof. There's nothing sort of tangible to, for people to grasp and to understand. So human yes. grade and having the product made in a, in a facility that was actually producing people food to me was the clearest way. Um, so it took a little while to actually convince a human food supplier to make dog food for me. Um, there are a number, a number of companies that just said they just didn't get it. They said, you know, I, I don't think our other clients would, would want dog food made in the facility and we understand what you're saying but it just doesn't doesn't seem like it's the kind of the right thing to do and then you know after some detailed searching eventually found a place um, here in California that would produce the food for us they got it they were under USDA inspection they were making other um, dairy products and things like that and, and they and, and um, soup mixes and things with um, similar sorts of meats and they actually use many of the same suppliers for, for products they made as, as the ones I was planning to use so it, it all sort of fit into place really nicely. Um, I think one of the key things with human food production is that a uh, human food supplier already adheres to uh, HACCP guidelines which is basically the hazard assessment critical control point. Uh, a lot of the mm -hmm. new um, reg regulations under um, President Obama, which actually some of them will come in for pet food regulation as well, even though they're being met by quite a bit of resistance from the industry because it's more right. expensive right. to adhere to. Um, right. But it's basically having, it's, it's really all about safety and record keeping, um, having the right amount of testing, the right amount of samples taken from each finished independent laboratory, and identifying, you know, potential 
risk points in the entire production process. It's everything from, you know, the way the way raw ingredients and finished products are stored to swabbing air conditioning units and filters to to make sure right. that there are no bacteria literally in the filters of the ceiling. It's it's a pretty amazing detailed plan. Um, and it's something that we've really worked very hard on to also um, link our suppliers in. So all of our suppliers have to sign off on basically a code of conduct on um, meeting Lovely. certain safety guidelines and, and testing on their own side. And this year, for the first time, we're actually doing independent audits. And that's going as far as our fish supplier in Iceland. There will be a team of people going out there to audit um, the fish production facility to understand, you know, that to make sure that everything that they're promising us on the piece of paper that they sign each year is actually right. happening. So it's, it's pretty exciting. And a lot of the suppliers actually say we're more demanding than some of their human food customers. So that's kind of fun. Oh, I, I bet that's true. I bet that's absolutely true. Uh, so you had mentioned uh, some potential risk points and that your suppliers, regardless of what they're supplying, this can be their protein, this can be, as we talked about before, it can be parsley, it can be a, a grain, it can be anything, and that you and your company, you get your food from all over the world. Is that correct? Am I, am I understand that correctly? Yes, yes, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we're, we're sourcing directly from the human food chain. So every supplier that, that sells something to us has to sign basically a promise or a guarantee that the ingredient we're buying is also sold to some other customer for human food consumption. And that's really okay. what FDA looks at in order to – we have a statement of no objection from federal FDA to use the term human grade on our labels. And that's really the nice. yeah, line nice. in the sand to, to understand the quality of the ingredients we're buying. Um, but, yeah. yeah, we do source from all over the world. Um, all of our meats come and eggs come from here in the U.S. as well as um, the vast majority of our organic grains, um, flax and cranberries. We, we source as much from the U.S. and, and Canada as we can. Uh, and then there are some things that we do source from um, farther afield. So our quinoa, which is an ancient grain that comes directly from Bolivia, uh, and that's kind of a fun ingredient. Um, it's fair trade quinoa. Um, it's basically sort of a, gluten, a gluten-free grain or a seed. And we're able to support, it's actually thousands of independent micro farmers down in Bolivia that, um, to, to grow the crop. And then we bring it up into the U.S. Um, for use in the food. And then we buy um, some of our vegetables come from Europe. I think the one country that we don't source anything from is China. Um, back in 2007, the Honest Kitchen was not part of those pet food recalls that affected so many other brands. But it was really a wake-up call, I think, to the industry where a lot of people, a lot of um, other pet food companies sort of threw their arms up in the air and said that they didn't realize that their co-packer had changed their recipe and was sourcing different ingredients than the ones that they'd originally specified. Uh, and, uh-huh. and China really was the, the country at the, at the root of that, that problem with mel- melamine contamination. Um, and so we've really made a, a very concerted effort never to buy anything from China. Uh, I think there's concerns around safety as well as pollution in that country and everything down to sort of worker welfare, the, the conditions that yeah. those workers um, are spending their days. It's, it's just something that it doesn't really sit well with us, so we don't buy anything at all from China, even down to our the bags that go into our into our boxes. 
And then now for for um, we have a couple things to go over here, but that's difficult, right? Because there's so many products, and it doesn't have to be food, like you're saying. You can say the bags that you, or your boxes for your products. That many many of those, it's hard to get around the China piece because China does produce so many products in this world. Um, yeah. Now with 2000, the 2007 uh, recall, um, uh, speaking as a veterinarian, I was um, uh, the person that tried to help these animals that were part of the toxicity, part of the poisoning, part of the horrible failures, multi-system organ failures that went along with this, and to help try to nurse these guys through it or to some sort of quality of life or to try and save their lives or to help them go on. And this was, in veterinary medicine, a full-on tragedy, a tragedy. The phone calls that were coming in, the amount of patients that were coming in, in the beginning just not necessarily scratching our heads, but like, goodness gracious, I mean, something, something's going on. I mean, just the, the, the tsunami, the flood of phone calls, the flood of all these failures coming in, and then getting the word about, you know, the, the poisoning and such, the toxicity, the, the you know, the, the trickle of information that came in, and then finally the announcements that came in, and then the recall. So would you mind, uh, from a veterinarian standpoint, it was a tragedy, and trying to explain this to clients, and what what happened, and that the the despair, the outrage, the sadness that went along with it on the client patient veterinary side was beyond words. But would you mind, Lucy, um, sharing with our listening audience what happened in two thousand seven, as per your understanding? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I'd like to sort of reiterate: the Honest Kitchen wasn't in any way affected. By those recalls, they were. Right. It was mainly, as I understand it, it was melamine contamination, and melamine is basically a compound that resembles protein. And so, the melamine, the Chinese were putting this melamine into products like um, corn gluten and rice and wheat gluten products to basically try to um, artificially up the protein content. Um, and I presume charge a higher price for it as a result. They were exporting this melamine-contaminated ingredients into the U.S., uh, and a number of pet food manufacturers and co-packers were purchasing it and using it in a wide, wide array of different finished products. And I think that was really another sort of shocking thing for for, um, pet guardians to suddenly understand was how few different co-packers there actually are in the U.S., producing all these different brands and it yes, sort of made yes. people realize well maybe you know this this one product that's in a really pretty bag with the fancy dog on the front and the vegetables could it even it's be the same. same product that's actually being bagged up and in a in a paper bag for a, a discount buyers club um right right it was just a that's really so, very so very tragic important. sad time yeah and that, that's so important and that's another wonderful point was here that when we go and we have our clients, our friends buying dog food, regardless of what their choices are, not only flip the bag over, read the ingredients, but also who is manufacturing it? Who is, you know, where, where is it being made? What, where, where does it lead back to? What company? And as you said, what, what do we think there is? About five or six major um, um, manufacturing um, in the United States now? Is that about right, Lucy? Yeah. How many, yeah, many places together? I, I I think that's about right. I mean, we're in a certain, um, to a certain extent, we're not really a true part of the pet food industry because we are really on the human food production side. So we we don't sort of have any 
reason to cross, cross paths with um, pet food ingredient suppliers or co-packers. Um, I think, you know, there are probably more that have sprung up in the last few years. I think, you know, there are sort of a few questions, tough questions, that we really encourage pet guardians to ask their pet food company. And one of them is, you know, do you source your own raw ingredients or do you leave it to a third party, to a procurement specialist or a a co-packer? Who's actually buying everything for for your finished product? And that's why at The Honest Kitchen for the last 11, 11 and a half years, we have always only ever bought our own raw ingredients directly from the suppliers. We never let our co-packer um, buy anything for us. We, we like to be responsible for it. The buck stops with us, and we're the ones that, that place the PO and, and write the check for it. So we know exactly what's yeah. coming in. And then um, your suppliers then, are also signing, signing agreements with you, saying that, you know, um, uh, speaking to their integrity in their end of it, the buck stops with them and their relationship with you as well. You know, you said you have exactly. to you know, sign these contracts as well. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. so they have to sign a promise to us. It's renewable every single year um, that, that the ingredient that we're buying is human food grade, that it's being sold to other customers within the human indus- food industry. Um, right. And then sort of statements around the fact that it doesn't, it's not in any way genetically modified, um, if it's organic, then they need to provide us with um, documentation on who the organic certifier is. They have to promise us that it's not irradiated, um, that it's not sourced from China. Um, and then, you know, every batch of food that comes into the pl- into our plant has to be um, tested free and clear of salmonella, E. coli, coliform, listeria. There's a whole battery of tests that they have to do on each um, batch of a raw ingredient before it can even be unloaded from the truck. And that addresses so many concerns, Lucy, that that our you know our pet guardians have with regard to going outside the norm of processed kibble diets or processed canned foods with regard to safety or let's say irradiation or sourcing or we can get onto the GMO topic here in the very near future, especially with the organics and such um, sourcing. But the fact that when a product comes from somebody who's signed a promise with you gets to your facility there, that as additional testing to make sure that we don't have any of the bacteria that most people are concerned about or, of course, that you're concerned about before it goes into the processing. And then it's at a human-grade plant where they are, have human-grade guidelines and that all of the potential risk factors not only for the food and the processing but the plant itself are being taken care of under stringent, stringent guidelines to produce your product. So every step, it sounds like to me, is under pretty close eye. Is that, would, that, would that be a fair thing to say? Yeah, it really is. And, and we sort of we jokingly refer to it as pets before profits because it's it's not inexpensive it to to conduct all of this testing. I mean, it's literally thousands of dollars every month just purely on on quality testing alone. Um, pulling samples from finished batches of food that, and, you know, making sure everything is, is up to par. Um, but it's, you know, it's we really look at everything in terms of what would we expect if we were on the receiving end. If we were the customer of this product, we were buying it for our own pets. Of course, we all feed it to our pets. Um, what would we expect of the producer? What, what would we hope they were doing? And, and that's basically our um, our template for how we make decisions. Uh, that that uh, you know the the dedication to your work, the dedication to our pets, 
and the dedication to the product that you guys are creating is something that is not often seen, and I can't give you enough respect for that um, because um, it's few and far between, and the amount of self-surveilling that you have to do, not only with what I do and trying to convey information such as we're doing now for the next half an hour to the world about what are the options that are available for us that may not be mainstream, that may be coming with a raised eyebrow from the conventional, traditional Western thought process. So I'd like to touch on that uh, just a moment because when I have clients that are um, of, of the traditional thought process and or have just been going along with what their doctors and their friends and their pet food stores have been telling them, come to the point where either I talk to them or um, we want to make a change based on information on the media, information from friends, information from themselves and the Internet, or I, the stuff I've been trying just doesn't work. It doesn't work. I keep doing it over and over and over again and leads to frustration. So when I start conversations with people about the Honest Kitchen, about dehydrated products, and then sometimes, as we discussed a little bit um, a little while ago, folks don't make a, di- a, a line between or not have a complete understanding of the difference between dehydrated products and raw products and that there's an, some folks have a um, distaste for, a fear for, or bad media for raw products, whether it's the barf diet or raw diets or uh, make them at home diets, those types of things, or uncooked food. So can you, can you help us delineate between a dehydrated product such as your own, which I think is not the only one that I have that I respect so much, and the thought process behind raw. Somebody throws the word out, raw food for your creatures. What do you think, sure. Lucy, as compared to what yeah. you're providing? Yeah, I, I think at The Honest Kitchen, we are, in general, we are proponents of a raw diet. We, I think that's really sort of the pinnacle of, um, you know, minimal processing. Um, it's it's probably a fresher way. I mean, there are, there are certainly um, some things that can be done to raw food to improve safety, and I think... Mm-hmm. Um, the um, high-pressure pasteurization. Um, some raw products can be irradiated or there are some other sort of forms of kill steps that can be done to increase the safety, but then, you know, it's also sort of a, a kill step that can have a detrimental effect on the raw ingredients. But overall, right. I think raw feeding is it's a great way to feed a dog. It's more natural, oh, and a cat. It's more natural, it's less processed, um, and it, it's, it's very close to, to the food that nature provides. I think the Honest Kitchen is sort of a, a bridging product or a, a crutch from, for people to sort of migrate from more processed and potentially more convenient foods like kibble and canned, which are it's almost sort of a, a scoop and serve and walk away type of situation yeah. to being able to feed something that is a whole food meal. Uh, it's colorful. It's got recognizable ingredients. It's, it's sort of real um, and healthy and, and very natural. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of a bridge between between that more processed food and, and, a, and a raw diet. Um, I think in some ways it, it could be considered a little more safe than, than something that's truly raw, but in actual fact, you know, even things like salmonella contamination, in my opinion, isn't really 
that harmful for a normal healthy dog or cat. They have a much shorter GI tract and they can deal with that bacterial contamination much better. Um, we do have some customers who, who like to do raw food most of the time and they'll keep on a kitchen on hand if they're traveling or you know, going to a dog show or camping and hiking, things like that, as well right, as if right. they have you know, a, to a toddler in the house and they become a little uncomfortable for a period of time with the idea that their dog might lick their toddler in the face after consuming, you know, something like raw chicken. Sometimes some people right. get a little uneasy about that. So Honest Kitchen works really well in that type of situation. Um, but uh, but certainly I think, you know, raw food, there's, there's some amazing benefits to, to feeding a dog raw. And uh, you mentioned uh, folks that do raw, raw diets, which um, <laughs> for those of us that don't cook, such as myself, the idea of, having the kitchen filled with products, fruits and vegetables and meats, and a, you know, whether it's a dehydrator or a steamer or a, anything to actually make, or a grinder. I have some clients that actually use grinders and, uh, to make food for your dogs and your cats. It's labor-intensive, time-intensive, absolutely, and as it can be pointed out that the cost at a grocery store to buy all the meats and all the produce and all the prep work and to make sure that you're getting a nutritionally complete and balanced diet is to some folks overwhelming. And even yeah. as you said, the folks that do do it at home, if you're going out camping, you're going to a show, those types of things, um, Honest Kitchen is super convenient, right? I mean, it's just super convenient. Can you explain to um, our listening audience, if I was a new Be Honest Kitchen product buyer. What can I expect my workload to give your product to my creatures would be at home? Uh, it's actually very, very simple. Um, mm -hmm. We actually joke that even husbands can do it. It's very simple. I think the, the most um, similar it would be is sort of making a, like an instant soup mix or an instant oatmeal. Um, basically, it's the, the consistency of the product as you buy it as it comes out of the box is, is similar to a muesli or kind of a loose mix. What you do is, is use a, a measuring cup just to measure out the desired amount based on your dog or cat's weight. Then you um, add warm water to it. Um, some people use water directly out of the tap. I personally prefer to use filtered water out of the refrigerator and then I just warm it in the in a tea kettle. Yes, Hydrate yes. the food with that water and then um, just give it a good stir to, to make sure everything's thoroughly combined and then it's ready in about three minutes and ready to serve. I think the, one of the biggest complaints we actually get at the Honest Kitchen is not the, the preparation itself, not the workload, but it's the, the pile of drool that ends up on the kitchen floor because the dog can't exactly. wait the three minutes for it to hydrate. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, I get, when I get my clients on Honest Kitchen, um, the prep uh, dance is very important because after one or two or three meals of the Honest Kitchen, our, our pets know it's time and they'll stand and stare at you. Or they, I tell my clients, I said, put the water in, and I, I explain it as being just like oatmeal, measure this, put in warm water there, hopefully, you know, uh, either distilled or some sort of um, filtered water. I don't want all the heavy metals in there. Put it in there, mix it up, and put it in your stove. 
put it in your microwave, put it on top of your refrigerator, those types of things, because we have to keep it off the, off the counter. Because as we walk away for that three to five minutes for it to poof up, you know, um, many yep. times it goes missing. And there'll be drool on the counter yeah. or the cat, you know, the cat stealing the dog's food, all manner of craziness. But the one thing, you know, we, we end up with our, our smush-faced dogs, you know, our brachiocephalic dogs. You get some honest kitchen stuffed up their nose a little bit sometimes and that they do a really good job cleaning it off. But the drool factor is huge with this product. And it's so funny you would mention that because one of my favorite breeds is English Mastiff. So you can imagine the bowl is big, the drool factor is high, and just the excitement of that three to five minutes of anticipation always produces a puddle of drool, much more so than even normal. So I think it's funny that you brought that up because guarding your product from my patients for that three to five minutes is a big deal. I mean, because they'll eat it as soon as you you get it close to them and put some warm water on it, down it goes. And I've actually had clients or patients that have ripped open boxes of Honest Kitchen and eaten the dry product. And they call me in a panic. They're like, they ate half a box of Honest Kitchen. I said, okay, well, did they have some water near them? <laughs> they just really like it. Yeah. Well, maybe you should put it, you know. So um, my, you know, my patients, they, I think the texture is a little bit weird in the beginning. They're like, what the heck is this as compared to a kibble diet? But, boy, I said, you know what, don't give up. It's like children that don't want to eat their broccoli or children that don't want to do, you know, the, the out of the norm. But I said, as soon as they actually get some in their mouth, their body is responding yeah. They're fulfilling all of their nutritional needs in one bowl of food. And then yeah. they get kind of crazy for it because their body, literally, it's not just that they want it, they need it. This, the holes are filled by earth-based whole foods as compared to other diets. It, it's, a, it's a thing of beauty to watch and that, yeah. <laughs> that these animals love it. And then I yeah. find, and I don't know if this is the same in your experience, that after they've been on it for a month or two or so, they'll actually slow down on it and actually sometimes miss a meal. They'll be like, you know what, I'm actually just not hungry today. And it has nothing to do with the product. It has nothing to do with the fact that their animals are sick. I think, I believe, this is one person's opinion, that these creatures, they are actually fulfilled. Their nutritional needs have been met for the first time maybe in their whole lives and that they honestly don't need to eat that next meal. And then, you know, maybe I'll eat breakfast again. It's not that I'm sick. It's that, wow, I actually am not craving something because I don't have that deficiency anymore. And I honestly use your product all the time to fill those needs. Uh, and I find yeah. that, that it works. I mean, that these, these, these dogs and cats are crazy over your product. And then they eat like nuts. And then they, I, it usually it's about 60 days for me, depending on how deficient my, my patients are, that they actually start to slow down on eating. And that sometimes is a concern to clients. And I said, no, actually, this is exactly what's supposed to happen. They, you know, they're not obsessive eaters like sometimes humans are. Their body maybe just doesn't need it now because they've gotten the nutritional load that they need and they fulfilled their gaps for maybe the first time yeah. in their life. So I just find yeah. it beautiful thing. Actually, when my clients call and say, my dog's not eating, I said, for how long is it a day? I said, that's awesome. <laughs> it's just awesome. Yeah. Call me tomorrow. So yeah. they eating, drinking, pooping, and peeing, and acting like a dog. They said, yeah, they just didn't eat dinner. I said, that is so great. I said, that is just, I'm, we're there. We, 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 yeah, we did it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I you think find a lot of that... the results, sorry, I was going to say, I think a lot of the results that people see in their dogs in terms of shinier coats and brighter eyes and, you know, resolved ear issues and um, yeah. red itchy pores and things like that, GI 
um, upset the results. It's, it's really amazing to see the results, and it's not that there's something magic in the product. It's just simply good nutrition. Uh, and yeah. I think your earlier point about um, you had mentioned, uh, you know, some people get a little alarmed when their dog or cat steals some of the dry product. I think yes. it's a really good sort of a, a wake-up call. Obviously, we don't recommend feeding the product dry, but it's actually <laughs> pretty incredible to me how many people do feed a dry food just nonstop for years of their dog or cat's life and how abnormal yeah. that really is when you think about it to eat basically the equivalent of Cheerios without the milk for every yeah, meal of yeah. every day of your life. And, and, you know, when you eat such a dry pelleted product, it's really robbing moisture from the intestines and from the rest of the body. These animals become sort of chronically dehydrated right. on a low level and that's why we see so many issues with kidney problems and, and things like that. The, these animals do need moisture as part of their food intake. And if you've ever seen kibble, you know, if you've added kibble, um, added water to kibble in the bowl before you serve it, you can see how much that swells up and it's no wonder, yep. you know, that bloat is such a problem. And these dogs, you know, when they eat dry kibble and it does swell up in their intestines. Right. No, you're you're exactly right. Now, on that topic, indeed, um, what are your thoughts about transition from a kibble diet to honest kitchen? Do you do a slow switch over? Do you um, do you do? Th well, I also tell my clients to third meal because um, what are your thoughts about mixing or placing honest kitchen on top of a kibble diet? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because I definitely have my thoughts on how I tell my clients to do it, but I'd like to hear yeah. from you what your thoughts are. Sure. Yeah, we usually recommend a slow transition. I think ideally I would take a week to, to phase in any type of new food, whether it's going from kibble to honest kitchen or honest kitchen to raw. Usually, you know, a period of a week or so is sufficient to allow their gut flora to adapt to the new food. Um, we generally recommend if, if you're ch changing from kibble, just start off, you know, adding a small amount of honest kitchen. You can just pour it on top of the kibble or mix it right in. Sometimes we hear of pets who will just lick the honest kitchen off the kibble and leave the kibble behind and refuse to eat the kibble and they have no choice but to go cold turkey. Um, but that it's ideal to do that. We sometimes recommend, we often recommend um, doing a probiotic at the same time just to facilitate that transition. Um, you can also use a little bit of plain live culture yogurt or something like that. Um, but over a period of a few days and then just change the ratio, you're doing half and half and then just phase out the old stuff. Um, I think one interesting thing is once an animal is used to feed, to eating a more whole food, it's almost like it produces sort of a healthy challenge to their, their digestive system and it actually strengthens the GI tract. So then they're actually able to deal with more dietary variety and we encourage people to switch yeah, around between exactly. other recipes and also to mix in some of their own sort of human food ingredients. So if I'm making exactly. something like a, a poached salmon for my human family, I'll purposely buy a bigger piece of salmon and my dogs get salmon, you know, once every couple of weeks. <laughs> um, we have chickens and I'll crack in raw eggs and they get yogurts, um, any type of, you know, leftover meat or, you know, things like that. It's perfect to mix yep. in and there's no reason that just because dogs and cats have been domesticated, it doesn't mean that they've suddenly lost the need for dietary variety that they're wild counterparts enjoy. Exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, so Lucy just said everything I was about to say, so that's fantastic. Because <laughs> that, that philosophy and that thought process about the transition, using a probiotic to replant your flora and fauna in your gut to make sure that you can best facilitate 
your changes without having maybe a, a loose stool episode or a gassy episode, and then also being able to, regardless if they eat it with no consequences, I want to make sure that they're actually making use of every mouthful that they eat. And then once we're on the Honest Kitchen, like you said, add some more wholesome foods, whether it's a piece of salmon, a piece of chicken, a couple extra beans, whatever it is that's close to the earth. I've got, I, I love that, and that that kind of helps bridge that gap. If somebody does want to try a little bit of raw once in a while, and making sure their gut is used to variety, same as you and I. You know, we're we're not that we're not that different. We're not different at all. So I think that sometimes people just get pigeonholed in that kibble, 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 kibble. And then when you think about you're eating dry food twice a day, same, 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 same. How healthy could that possibly be? If we tried that on ourselves, even for three to four days, I think we might go crazy, to be honest with you. So um, it's, yeah. nice, it's nice that we, we start thinking about our, our um, pets, you know, of course, as our family, our loved ones, and then respect their constitutions, respect the fact that these are omnivores as dogs and obligate carnivores as cats, and that we need to feed them and such. So um, that, that's, that's a wonderful thing that you're doing. Um, one, one more thing with regard to our... You know, we have a section here with the outward bound hounds and the going out, you know, whether it's camping or at the show and those types of things. You, uh, with the smaller containers, I know you have a lot of, um, what are they called, the little bags that I can send out with clients and such for testers, you know, so their dogs yes, and cats. Yes, samples. But your yep. product, as we go out with boxes, like full boxes to go out camping and such, as long as you ziplock it up or... Um, roll down the bag that it's delivered to you in, it stays quite nicely in all temperatures, does it not? You know, like whether it's on a shelf or if it's, you know, exposed to cold as you're camping or moist temperatures, as long as you ziplock the product, it's okay? Is that true? Yeah, that's true. I mean, we we don't really encourage it being left out in blazing sun or extreme humidity for a long period of time, but certainly it is shelf-stable and um, as long as it's, you know, zipped up, then it should be absolutely fine. Okay. Um, I, I've had, the reason I asked is I've had some concerns with that. You know, oh, if I got a, you know, if I got a drop of my water in this, you know, 10-pound box of this, I said, you know, we're going to be fine. Just, you know, scoop the piece out, feed it to your dog. You'll be all right. And just, you know, keep it yeah. in cool, dry temperature. <laughs> we're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Um, yeah. Now, Lucy, if we, we've got about eight to ten more minutes here. If you wanted to tell our pet guardians, one thing or two things that are heartfelt from you to them and their pets, please take this time to do it because you are an extremely innovative entrepreneur that is so passionate about the things that this entire show is about, you know, holistic pet care. And for the traditional Chinese methodology that that I work with, airy breathe, food you eat are the two foundations for a healthy life. And besides the whole getting out and hiking with your dog and running on the beach and making sure that they're just they're joyful, your product is a phenomenal base with which to make sure that the food we eat is appropriate and whole and beneficial and supportive, in my opinion. So I'd like the world to hear from somebody that took their passion and created a company that literally puts pets before profits, which is hard to find. So please take a couple of minutes and just share with the world. Empower everybody that's listening. Will you please, Lacey? Sure, yeah. I think that the two things that, that spring to mind immediately would be 
our approach and our philosophy is really trying to encourage people to feed their pets more like they feed their human children. I think one of the, the sad things that's happened in this industry over the last few decades is a lot of conventional, old-fashioned pet food producers have really brainwashed not just consumers, but actually a lot of conventional veterinarians that that they are incapable of feeding their animal companion a balanced meal. I mean, it is it is hard to achieve nutritional balance, but it's okay if it happens over time. It doesn't have to be every pellet or every bite doesn't have to be nutritionally balanced. It's okay to get that balance during the week. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have become almost paranoid. I mean, we literally get phone calls from people saying, if I feed my, my dog three-fourths of a cup of your food, how many milligrams? of phosphorus or copper is he going to consume and it just i just want to say well how many milligrams of calcium have you had today <laughs> it's just that people people have become so focused on on nutrients rather than actual nutrition and i think Amen. you know mother nature the earth gives us everything we need it's just a matter of putting it together when we're creating an honest kitchen recipe, we're talking about the phytonutrients that we began this conversation with. We really try and get a good spectrum of different colored ingredients. So you'll rarely find an honest kitchen product that's all green or all orange. There's you know, some green, some orange, some red. There's a whole spectrum of, of good nutrition in there all blended together. And then I think the other thing is really to feed your animal as an individual. Um, as a yes. company, we, I mean, we do have different products for different life stages. Some are, some are formulated for adult dogs and some, some of the puppies. But we do recommend that you really look at your individual animal. It's all about food tolerances and sensitivities. Some right. people come to us looking for some magic solution, you know, in the form of a digestive supplement, but they're actually causing this digestive upset because they're feeding, you know, a protein that the animal just simply can't tolerate. It's no wonder they're having yeah. diarrhea nonstop because they're trying to expel this ingredient that they can't tolerate from from their system. Um, right. So it's really looking at the individual. Um, there are some cases, you know, I often use the example of a senior pet who actually might do much better on one of our puppy foods because, yeah. let's say, for example, they're suffering with cancer, our puppy foods in general are very high protein and fat, higher calorie, but they're much lower in carbohydrates, and that's a good a good option for cancer recovery. So we don't want to sort of pigeonhole people and say all of a sudden, oh my gosh, your dog is seven, you'd better change to a senior diet. It's really about the individual and, and what do they need at this point in their lives. Absolutely. So perfect. those would be my two things. <laughs> and then if you wouldn't mind sharing with us um, our, I'm looking at this, Outside Magazine's Best Places to Work in 2011, 12, and 13. Now, as I said in the beginning of the show, I think that our overall attitude, our joy, I'm a big fan of joy. I try and tell my clients, increase the joy in your, in your pet's life. I don't care how you do it. I should go out and run go out and play, goof around, blow bubbles with your dog. I'm a big fan of blowing bubbles, you know, just like because the human, I've never met a human that can blow bubbles and not have a smile on their face. Bubbles are just great. It brings out the inner child and it allows you to just kind of relax for a second so that therein you can relax with your, you know, with your pet. And um, so I'm intrigued with your best places to work. Can you maybe in the next couple of minutes tell us how is it that you and your staff and your your companion animal friends and your pets go to work every day? 
Sure, yeah. I think the the biggest joy for us and the biggest sort of thread that holds us all together is our genuine love for animals and for from being sort of involved in in something foodie. Um, yeah. So that that's something that sort of tethers us all. We're sort of all pulling in the same direction and, and focused on the same mission. Um, our office is a it's a gorgeous um, brick loft building. We've got there's dog beds and sofas all over the place. And you'll often find if we're in an all company meeting in our kitchen that there's actually <laughs> humans sitting on the floor and dogs sitting on the sofas, which uh, is fairly amusing. <laughs> um, but we have um, we have uh, chiropractic adjustments once a month for our staff, um, chair massages. We buy um, a CSA box that we use. We, we really like to congregate around food. We have um, tea times, which are our meetings, all company meetings a couple times a month, um, where we congregate around food and snacks. We'll cook for each other. Um, so it's a very vibrant atmosphere. It's, it's pretty fun-loving. Uh, you have to have your wits about you. It's kind of, uh, we like to sort of, uh, um, sort of, tease each other a little bit once in a while. It's a fairly <laughs> informal atmosphere, and uh, we we, it's, uh, don't, we often joke that if someone starts being very polite to you, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Uh, we like that's have, have a fun environment. It's uh, it's very rewarding to be a part of, and we've got a really fantastic team. Um, like to be healthy, you know. Having the dogs at the office all the time really encourages to take a couple walks every day. So we often right. have walking meetings. Um, we do yoga and have a fitness allowance and things like that. So we want to be a healthy team of people. Um, we celebrate diversity, so everyone's encouraged to sort of be an individual and uh, do what they want to do. Um, freedom to fail. It's, uh, you know, yeah. people sort of own their, own their stuff, and if it goes wrong, call it quickly and, and <laughs> reposition and exactly. try again. Um, I yeah. love that. So it's, it's a good <laughs> it's environment. <fun. laughs> Any, anybody that kind of steps out on a limb and just kind of follows their heart and follows their passion and gets involved with other people, that freedom to fail and just kind of you know yeah. just confess and say, come face to face and go, all right, we need to we need to change our compass a bit and then go at it again. You know, just stand up and just go um, because yeah. the the big picture is so important. Now, um, in this last couple of minutes, can you let people know, our listeners know, how do we contact Be Honest Kitchen? How do we get information about Be Honest Kitchen? How do we ask questions? Now, I want our listening audience to know that I um, I truly admire Lucy and her entire company and Honest Kitchen uh, and the products that they make, and I've seen them work. And I think that, as she pointed out, they need to be under the guidelines of a veterinarian if there's a medical issue, and they need to be under the guidelines of a lot of information and slow changes and used as Lucy has showed us today. So the next 60 seconds, Lucy, can you tell the world how to get a hold of your company? Sure, yeah. The easiest way, there's a lot of information on our website. So the address for that is www.thehonestkitchen.com. We have a toll-free number, which is 866-437-9729. We also have a very interactive Facebook page, so there's loads of... um, sort of customer participation on there, people asking questions and answering each other's questions. Um, You can ask us a question and get support through Facebook. I think we've got about 220,000 people on there, so that's a pretty vital Very nice, very nice. Lucy, I can't thank you enough for being on the air with us today and the important information that you brought to us and the options that you've, you've shown people and that it's okay to kind of break out of our shell and ask questions and to help our pets 
be healthier every single day, you know, not only through your product, but a different way of thinking. I appreciate that. Thanks to you, and thanks very much to Sylvia Global Media for allowing us to share this information with the world. Hope to talk to you soon, and please get involved with a phone call or an email. Goodbye. See you next week. The information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian.